What's up, LifePoint Church? How you doing this morning? Are you glad to be at church? I know it's early, but God is here. Amen? Man, that was such a powerful time of worship, especially that last song. I love that last song, Speak the Name of Jesus wherever you're at. Man, I was just encouraged by singing that song as kind of just a prayer in my life. Well, if you don't know who I am, my name is Bo Jensen, and I'm one of our staff pastors here, and I am ecstatic to be here this morning. Thank you for that one shout there. I appreciate that. One person's excited. Um, but I want to take a moment, as Pastor Mark Delaney just said, to welcome all of our guests, whether you're joining us online or you're here in the room at our Rossview Road location. Again, we are excited that you're with us. And our prayer is that God would speak to your heart this morning in Jesus' name. Can everybody say amen to that? Amen. amen. Hey, I want to share how your giving is making an absolute difference here in our community and across the nation. And yesterday was our annual Big Serve Day, as Pastor Mark Delaney just said. We had 38 projects that took place yesterday. Not just in Clarksville, Montgomery County, but we had projects that happened all across the nation. We had 430 people served, which honestly, that's a conservative number. I think it's actually more than that. But 430 people served. We had partnerships with projects at Loaves and Fishes, Yay Packs, Rossview High School, and Summit Heights. Those are just a few of the projects, big projects that we had. And I want to just share a quick story with you. Uh, one lady, um, when our team showed up at Loaves and Fishes, there was a lady there sleeping. She had no shoes, no jacket, no blanket. She had nothing except for the clothes that she wore there. She said she had walked a couple of miles just to get to Loaves and Fishes to get something to eat. And we were able to give her shoes, a jacket, a blanket, and a backpack full of clothes. Can we get a big shout out to Jesus for that? Let me just say this, all throughout scripture, we see where Jesus met people's practical needs. And here's the thing, if you ever wanna reach somebody's spiritual needs, sometimes the first thing you have to do is meet their practical need. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Because it opens up the door for a spiritual need to be met. And I want to thank everyone that served yesterday. All of you that faithfully, financially invest here into the kingdom of God at LifePoint Church. And I want to let you know there's multiple ways that you can give here at LifePoint. And lastly, I want to challenge you. If you were not a part of Serve Day yesterday, I want you to be a part of Serve Day the next time it comes up. We're going to have this again in the fall. All right, we have serve days four times a year. We're doing them once a quarter, but you're not limited to that. Get your small group together and go serve someone, all right? And I'm gonna share a personal story. I really feel convicted about this. I had been driving by this place for like a long time and I kept complaining about this place, this certain place. And I complained to my wife, complained to my mom, complained to my dad. And one day, as I'm complaining and praying, God says, why don't you stop complaining about it and do something about it? And so I was like, all right, I found my serve day project. And so I got a group, our small group together, and we went and served there. And to hear some of the people in the community coming out 
and saying how grateful and thankful they were for us to be there. And like asking us like, who are you with? Like just the, uh, the conversations that we were having and the interaction we were having, it just confirmed to me that if we'll stop complaining and start doing something about it in our community, maybe God will shift something, maybe God will change something. So let me encourage you, if you find yourself complaining, get to work in Jesus' name. Can I get a big amen? Hey, join me as I pray. God, I thank you so much for yesterday. I thank you that God, you did incredible things, that God, you were able to minister to the one. God, you said in scripture that you were willing to leave the 99 for the one. So God, we thank you for the one yesterday. We thank you for the over 400 people that we were able to touch, we were able to bless. And God, we don't wanna just do it on one day. We wanna do it every day. We wanna look for opportunities to serve our community. So God, speak to our hearts. And God, I ask that you would bless the giving of the tithes and the offerings and the faithful giving of your people so that the kingdom of God can advance in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, my freshman year of high school, I had first period PE. So needless to say, I smelled really, really good all day long. Um, I really didn't mind first period PE because it was in fact my favorite subject in addition to the fact it was the only subject that I was ever able to make a hundred, like A, Um, in addition to the fact that I went on to Austin P and I majored in physical education because it it required the least amount of math. Can I get a big amen to that? When I showed up at Austin P, I was like, what's the degree that I can get that has no math? And they said PE. But anyways, I didn't mind having first period PE because I got to play basketball first thing in the morning. And uh, there was actually a couple of guys in the class that were up to no good. Okay, my God. Some of y'all knew what I was talking about. There was a couple of guys that were up to no good. They started making trouble in the neighborhood. And I didn't get in a fight because my mom would whoop my butt. But anyways, uh, there was a couple of guys in the class And for the sake of the story, I'm just going to call their names Austin and Pierre, okay? They were both freshmen in this class as well, but they were like, I don't know if they were really freshmen. They both had tattoos. One of them had the Tupac tattoo, tattoo thug life. So they were probably more like juniors. But I didn't mind playing basketball with them, but I kind of tried to keep my distance from them because they were known for marketing certain materials that may or may not have been illegal, and they would make these transactions in the locker room. So you probably could understand why, you know, I'd play basketball with them, but I kept them at a distance. Now, there was another guy in the class as well. Let's just call his name Paul. Now, Paul, he was a hater, okay? I'm just saying it. He talked trash all the time, always talking trash to me. I can't help it that I was crossing him over and breaking his ankles. Can't help that. But he was always talking trash. And one day we're in the locker room and he's talking trash and I'm trying to do what my mama has always taught me to do, kill people with kindness. Now I've tried that multiple times in my life and sometimes it doesn't work. Um, But anyways, I'm trying to ignore him and he's just chirping, just doing his trash talking. And out of nowhere, this dude gets punched right in his face. And I'm like, oh my gosh. 
Now, let me just pause for just a second. I'm not promoting violence, but in that moment, I was kind of excited. Okay? Now, I did not punch him, and I don't know who punched him first. I don't know if it was Pierre or Austin, but both of them dudes are on top of this guy wearing him out. And I am witnessing this along with everybody else in the locker room. And when these dudes get finished with this guy, they pop back up and they point at me and they say this, man, we got your back, dog. Aren't you glad that sometimes in life there are some people that have your back? Can I get an amen to that? Some of you are like, what church did I come to today? Again, I'm not trying to promote violence, but I want to ask you this. Are there some people in your life that you can turn to that have your back, not only physically, but spiritually, that you can call on in a moment's notice and they can pray for you, they can encourage you, they tell you what you need to hear, they tell you the truth in love. They speak that over your life. They pray with you, like I said, in a moment's notice. Do you have people in your life that have your back? Well, as we continue with our Book of Acts series today, I think you're going to see in Scripture that Peter and John have some friends that have their back. And today, I've entitled today's message, Prayer Under Pressure. Now, as we continue with the message, I think this title will make sense. But I want to go ahead and ask you to go to Acts chapter 4, verse 23. I want you to pause when you get there. And I want to give you just a quick overview before we begin, okay? Now, Peter and John have been threatened by the religious leaders to no longer use the name of Jesus. And these religious leaders want to punish them. However, they're unable to because they're afraid of the backlash of the crowd. And here's the reason why. There's this man who had been paralyzed for over 40 years, whom Peter and John had an encounter with back in Acts chapter 3. This man was begging for money, and Peter uh, actually said to him, he's like, look at me. Does it look like I have any money? He literally tells the man, he says, silver and gold I do not have, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And he literally helps the man up to his feet. The Bible says that strength came to his feet and his ankles. And then this man started walking around. The Bible says he started leaping, running around in the temple, praising God. Now, you have to Understand that Peter and John were on their way to the temple. In addition, others were as well. And so they most likely had passed by the same guy as he's begging them for money as well. So they're inside the temple and they see this guy. And they probably had, you know, they probably were annoyed by this guy at some point. And now they're witnessing the same paralyzed man that had been paralyzed for over 40 years leaping, walking, and praising God. So no doubt they just witnessed this miracle and they're going nuts as well. And so Peter begins to address the crowd to inform them who did this miracle. And this miracle was brought to you by the power of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. 
And I want you to notice that Peter is like, nope, it was not me, it was Jesus. I just wanna pause for a second. There are a lot of people that claim to be Christ followers, that claim to have ministries of healing, but all they wanna do is put the attention on themselves. Look, when God does a miracle through you, put the attention back on God. Can I get an amen? And so we find in this moment, the crowd is hyped up, they're excited. Peter's preaching to them. He's telling them about Jesus. And he says, Jesus resurrected, and you too, if you put your faith in Jesus, will resurrect one day as well. Now, this made some people mad. The religious leaders of that day, they had spiritual authority and power. They were kind of their own delegated authority for holiness. They have Peter and John arrested and jailed until the next day. However, this is not before over 5,000 people put their faith in Jesus. And now in the beginning of Acts chapter 4, we see that these same religious leaders are trying to figure out how do we punish Peter and John. Now, you got to remember, these are the same religious leaders that sent Jesus to the Romans for crucifixion. So can you imagine for just a moment, like Peter and John, like the emotions that they're going through in this moment, like they're waiting to find out what their fate is is going to be. These leaders, again, desiring to punish them, find no way that they can deny the fact that a miracle has taken place because the very man that had been healed is standing there testifying. He literally is like, I don't know, like, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm healed. So they're going, well, we can't necessarily deny that God did a miracle, but let's threaten these guys. And so they threaten them and then they threaten them some more and tell them you're no longer allowed to speak of the name of Jesus. So today we're picking up right where Pastor Mark Benton left off in this series uh, with the release of Peter and John. And if you missed any part of Pastor Mark Benton's message last weekend, I want to encourage you to go back and check it out. It was a powerful message. And honestly, any part of this series is Excellent, and I want to encourage you to check it out, especially our lead pastor, Pastor Mike Burnett, who's one of the best Bible teachers in America, probably in the world. And I'm not just saying that. Well, actually, he does pay me to say that. (laughs) But as we begin to read and pick up in Acts chapter 4, verse 23, I want you to notice something. I want you to notice that in times of pressure, God's people pray. In times of pressure, God's people pray. Notice this. It says, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priest and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, these friends, they lifted up their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord. Everybody say, Sovereign Lord. We're going to come back to that in just a second. He says, they say, sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Peter and John do what's very natural for all of us. They go to their friends, they report what's happened, and their friends listen to the report. And upon hearing it, they immediately respond with prayer. Now, I have to be honest with you. If this was me and I was Peter and John's friends, and I was in a similar situation, 
I don't know if I would have responded immediately with prayer. I probably would have listened. I probably would have been empathetic, but I probably would have done this. I probably would have given my opinion. I would have given my perspective about the situation. I might have said like, they ain't gonna threaten you. A threat to you is a threat to me. Let's go fight them. Like that's just a natural response. Yet these friends listen and respond with prayer. And the truth then and today is when, a, when one of our friends are going through stress, pressure, pain, and suffering, we should attune, be empathetic, but we should respond with prayer. It's so easy in today's culture to react, right? We react quickly, but I wanna encourage you to respond Respond with prayer by welcoming and inviting Jesus, inviting God to come into the situation. And I want you to notice something. This is exactly what these friends did. They immediately put their attention on God. As they begin to pray, they address God as sovereign Lord. And look, why would they do that? Why would they uh, put all their attention on acknowledging the fact that God is sovereign? Does God really need to be reminded that he's sovereign? And what does sovereign really mean? Sovereign really means this. It just means supreme authority. So why would they do this? You got to remember the guys that just threatened them, they were in authority. And really in that time period, they were the supreme authority in that area for all things religion. And so by dressing God as sovereign Lord, they're saying, hey, we know these people that have made these threats have some authority, but their authority does not supersede the authority of the creator almighty. And so they're putting their attention on the person that's created everything in the universe and saying, God, we are focused on you right now in this moment. And look, sometimes in our lives, that's what we need to do. We need to just take a moment and say, God, you're in control. I know right now my circumstance, it, can I just say this? Sometimes it sucks. Can I get an amen to that? I don't know if I can say that in church, but I just did. And just be real with God. I think Pastor Mike, our lead pastor, has said this like before, like God's not fragile that he can't handle some of the language that we use. Like, just be authentically real with God because he's a real God and he can handle it. Like, he's not up in heaven going, oh, my gosh. Did they just say that? Sorry, I don't know if that's appropriate or not. But, again, this prayer, I believe, is reminding themselves that God is creator of everything, that he's in control. And look, praying like this is not a dismissal of your pain or a dismissal of the pressure. It's just acknowledgement that God is there despite the pain and the pressure. Acknowledging God as sovereign can bring us comfort. It can bring us security. And in my opinion, when the church was experiencing great pressure and persecution, addressing God as sovereign Lord is giving them comfort and releasing them from trying to figure out their next move by themselves. And look, isn't that the temptation for all of us? Like we try to figure out 
the, our next move by ourselves. Like it's embedded in us, like from birth, where we, we really believe that we can do life without God. Am I the only one that can be transparent in this moment and be like, you know, I think I can figure this out. And look, I want to say this. I really believe that prayer is a pressure release valve. Pastor Willie said this um, earlier, like a couple of weeks ago. He said, when pressure, when pipes have pressure, something has to give. And typically those pipes are going to burst because you got to have a release. And in our culture, in our time, in our context, we release in a lot of different ways when pressure comes upon us. We release by, you know, checking out, watching, you know, Netflix and binging out on a TV show or, you know, there's various different ways that we can find relief to pressure. But I want to encourage you, turn to God in the midst of your pressure because it is a pressure release valve. And in this text, when the pressure increases, instead of putting our trust and their trust in themselves, they put their trust in the sovereign God. And look, these followers of Jesus have learned this response. They learned from their teacher because when Jesus was under pressure, he prayed. And we can learn to pray as well. You might say, well, that's good for Peter and John. They, you know, they were with the physical Jesus. Plus, I don't have friends like Peter and John. Well, maybe you need to find some friends like Peter and John. And I'm not saying abandon the friends that you already have that don't know how to pray. But maybe you need to be the friend that initiates prayer. And one of the best ways to find friends like these is by being in a small group. Come on, somebody. One of the best ways to learn how to pray is to be, about, or be around others that pray. So I wanna encourage you to make some friends and get into a small group. And let me give a huge shout out to one of our small groups called Rooted. Rooted teaches you how to pray. There is a one whole session that's devoted to prayer. So if you're new to Clarksville, if you're new to Montgomery County area, we host it here at our Rossview Road location. And you can be in rooted and you can learn how to pray. You can be around some friends. I promise you, I've never heard one negative thing about rooted. And I've been in church pretty much my whole entire life. Like, I, I, I mean, I've been in church sometimes more than Jesus, okay? <laughs> At least I feel like it. And I'm telling you, this is one of the best small group curriculums I've ever experienced in my life. So get into a small group. Make an intentional effort to invest into your spiritual life and be around others that are intentionally investing in their lives as well and growing in their relationship with God. And I want to tell you one reason why I'm grateful and thankful for friends that pray, for my small group, for this church, and for people who have my back spiritually. You see, a couple of months ago, one of our children had an accident and we had to rush them to the emergency room. And I let one person know that this happened. And a group of people gathered together to pray while we were in the emergency room. Rachel and I were sitting in the emergency room and we felt those prayers as we were waiting on results. And praise God that our child was able to walk out of the emergency room. But we give credit to God and to those people that pray during a moment where honestly, 
Our emotions and thoughts were all over their place and we simply could not pray for ourselves or for our child. And our friends were there to back us up in prayer. And we fully believe that God healed our child as a result of those prayers. Because when we got to the hospital, the medical professionals that evaluated our child did not give us a good report immediately. And so as we were sitting there in the hospital, in the emergency room, Rachel and I, uh, when our friends text us that they were praying, just the timing of everything, I was like, man, this has to be God. You just can't explain it. And I'm telling you, there are moments in life where you need your friends to back you up in prayer. And I want to thank you, church, for being a praying church. And you know what the church is? The church is not a facility. It's people. It's people. And people matter to God. And I want to thank you so much for praying for my family. You know, it's difficult sometimes to pray with your friends when you don't know exactly how to pray. But prayer is not complicated. You know who complicates prayer? Religious people. Jesus taught us how to pray, and prayer is just simply this. It's talking to God. It's being authentically real with the creator of the universe. And I want to encourage you to pray. And it gets a lot easier to pray when you create a rhythm of prayer. Well, how do you create a rhythm of prayer? You just start praying. And let me encourage you with this. It's very practical. Just set an alarm for like five minutes and pray. And when the alarm goes off, you're done. Go about your day. And maybe five minutes is too long for you. Maybe you need to do two and a half minutes, maybe one minute. I don't know where you're at in your spiritual journey. Maybe you're super spiritual and you could pray for two hours. If you are that person, please put me on your prayer list. I have, thank you so much. I have like prayer ADD, okay? That's why I have to do it in like five to 10 minute increments because my mind's going in a lot of different places. But I talk to my dad almost every day. But you know what my dad and I don't do? We do not keep a log of how long our conversations are. My wife might, but we, I don't, we don't. We don't keep a log, we just have the conversation, just, just naturally, sometimes I gotta be like, man, I gotta go dad, because I have four children. Um, sometimes he's got to let me go because he's got to go do something. But we just have a natural relationship. And, you know, every time we get off the phone, we're like, he, one of us was just like, well, just call me when you get a moment. Because we have this relationship. And the reality is this. Some of us feel like in prayer that we don't pray enough. And, and the reality is, is that prayer is more about quanti or quality than quantity. It's about developing that relationship. And here's the thing. I still ask my father for advice and wisdom about decisions. I mean, I'm almost 39 years old, and I still ask him for these things. But ultimately, I get to make the decision. Thank you, Jesus, now that I get to make the decisions for myself. But it's the same thing with God. I go to God, and I ask God for wisdom as I navigate through the pressures of life. And I invite God to guide me to help me. And so that's what prayer is. And you know, sometimes praying with your friends can be difficult. I honestly sometimes would rather pray with strangers. They don't know me. They don't know the real me. And so I understand that this can be tough when I say, hey, pray with your friends. But here in just a second, you're going to see that these people, 
that were praying for Peter and John, they asked God for boldness so that they can pray with their friends. And so as we continue, as we read, I want you to notice this. As these friends continue to pray, they begin to quote scripture. And in times of pressure, God's people learn to pray the scriptures. Now, I want to go back into uh, verse 24. It says, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. This right here is a quote from Genesis 1. And so then they transition and he says, Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? This right here is a quote from Psalms 2. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, Jerusalem, there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Now, at first glance, this can seem slightly confusing, but this prayer continues by these friends, Peter and John's friends, as they quote Genesis 1 and Psalms 2. And what they're doing right here is they're trying to make a connection with God by using scripture. And they use this quote to do kind of a, a, a review of their history up until this point. Now, this is kind of nerdy, to be honest with you, like biblical nerdy, but just hang on for just a second. They use this quote to acknowledge that throughout history, Jesus and God's plan has had opposition. And even though they had opposition, God's plan was still fulfilled. His mission was still fulfilled. And in the same way, they're now asking God to come and still fill his mission in them, even in the midst of opposition. And in the same way they're using scripture to make a connection to God, we can do the same thing. They're saying, God, you told us about the messianic uh, rejection of Jesus in this Psalm in chapter two. And they realized in this moment, they were not gonna escape the opposition. But they're asking God for the courage and they're asking God to intervene in this moment. The point is this scripture shows how God can vindicate even King David, even Jesus, and how he can do it for us as well. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier. Praying like this is not a dismissal of opposition. It's an acknowledgement of God in the midst of your opposition. You see, you're going to have opposition as long as the gospel's being preached. It's going to happen. But you can have boldness. You can have boldness. Despite your opposition, you're trusting in the promise of God through Jesus. And praying the scriptures can take you to your next step of faith while you're on this mission. And they understood that this mission, despite the threat given to their friends, which is ultimately given to them as well, required and needed boldness. And that's why in times of pressure, God's people pray to be empowered with boldness. Check out what they say next. They say, and now, Lord, check this out. Look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Man, that is powerful. And then they say this, 
while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Basically what they're saying is, you're going to heal, you're gonna do miracles, and by the way, if you would, use us to do it. That's what they're saying in this moment. They're saying, hey, we acknowledge that you're God and creator of it all. We've had this threat, but we're not gonna allow, allow this threat to keep us from being on mission but we need the courage and we need a boldness that only comes from you because we understand and know that you are gonna have the victory. And here's the thing, church, Jesus has the victory, even though it may not feel like it in today's culture, even though it feels like in today's culture, we're going backwards, Jesus still gets the victory. So pray the scriptures and agree with what God's already said and ask for boldness from the Holy Spirit to go out and make a difference in our community. Amen? Am I yelling? That's called preaching with fire. Look, man, I just, I'm just excited. I'm just excited about what God is doing. When you preach the gospel, when you study God's word, when you're with God's people, it just does something to you. It just stirs up. Like, it just gets you pumped, man. I feel like I'm on, like, spiritual steroids sometimes. <laughs> my body doesn't look like it, but my spirit does. <laughs> they ask God to grant them boldness to speak about the good news of Jesus Christ. And if I could be honest with you, what is boldness? You know, boldness can be subjective, it can be misinterpreted. Boldness is freedom to speak openly. And we've seen people with boldness spiritually that spoken openly that is just inappropriate, it's wrong, it's weird, and it doesn't win people to Jesus. We've seen that. So when we talk about boldness, again, it can be misinterpreted, it can be subjective. And when I think about boldness, sometimes I think about, you know, we're in a military town. My father's a veteran. And I kind of think about like drill sergeants. Like in my mind, boldness is like the drill sergeant from Full Metal Jacket. Like that's boldness. But you know, what is spiritual boldness? Spiritual boldness is having the courage to speak the truth in love. It's the soldier who was recently deployed who was sharing his experience about how he felt like God wanted to speak, to speak through him to his soldiers, how they were lacking a relationship with God. They had all the training to accomplish the mission that they were on, yet they were lacking relationship with God. And so he just took a moment one night to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. That's boldness. Boldness is the mother praying with their child every single day. That's spiritual boldness. Boldness is two students meeting by their locker room every morning before school starts and praying together. Spiritual boldness is this. Man, there was a moment when I physically was feeling terrible. I felt like I had an infection. I felt like I was thinking the worst. I thought it was going to go to my brain. And I'm trying to relax in my mother and father-in-law's pool. I'm trying to swim, trying to relax. And I'm just stressed. 
and I'm expressing it to my wife and she just simply swims over to me, lays her hands on me and prays a bold yet simple prayer, God heal Bo. And in that moment, I can't explain the peace that came over me, but I'm so glad I had a spouse that had boldness and a willingness to pray for me. And that's boldness. Boldness is this week grabbing your spouse by the hand and praying with them. Boldness is when you're on your job and somebody's telling you about a situation that's tough that they're going through and you go, you know what? I want to pray with you. And look, it doesn't have to be some spiritual, eloquent language that you find in some type of religious book. Just pray a simple, bold prayer. God, touch my friend, touch their situation. You see it, heal them, change their circumstance. Just ask God to invade into the situation. Amen? Amen. I wanna give you one last thing. I can't explain sometimes how people have a boldness for Christ and I wanna tell you this real quick. I uh, was doing prison ministry in South Africa and I met this man in the prison. I was invited to come do a chapel service and uh, this prison's outside of Cape Town, South Africa. And as the men started coming into the chapel, they're like clapping their hands. Well, the first guy is and he's like shouting and he's leaping. And I'm like, this dude's getting out of prison tomorrow. There's just no way you can explain like how much joy this dude has. And the prisoner guard was like, he's, he's the um, prison chaplain, even though he's a prisoner. And so I was curious. So I just went to the guy and I was like, hey man, like when are you getting out of prison? Like you must be getting out of prison soon. And I'll never forget what this man said to me. He looked at me and he said, I have another 24 years to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ while I'm in this prison. And I was like, Lord Jesus, that's a long time. But you know what? That, is only, that, that type of boldness can only be sustained through prayer. It can only be sustained through prayer. And I really believe this. Believers of God may be physically bound However, believers' prayers are unbound. It's because prayer is unrestricted. And as a result of the boldness of those people, back in Acts chapter four, I'm trying to get this thing to work here. Guys from the back, can you help me out real quick? I'm almost done. It says this, and when they had prayed, a miracle happens. The place in which they gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. It's as if God answered their prayer with a physical miracle of the building shaken. And here's the thing, I've been in services. I was in service this, I mean, when we just had worship, I was just stirred up. And here's the thing, there's something about being with God's people here at, at the Rossby Road location on a Sunday morning in my small group, like when I get around God's people, it fires me up. And look, I love our online, our online service. And I love that we're able to do that. Like we tuned in when we were on vacation, but there's something about being in the room with people. There's something about being with God's people that when they, we begin to pray together, things shift, things change. Amen. 
let's stand to our feet. I wanna go back to the front part of this message and I wanna ask you, do you have anybody that has your back spiritually? And I wanna ask you some tough questions and I have a short amount of time to do it in. Who are you gonna call and who are you gonna text this week and tell them, I have your back spiritually, I'm praying for you. Who are you gonna call this week and audibly pray for over the phone this week? Who's gonna be bold enough to pray with your friend? Who's gonna be bold enough to pray with your spouse? Look, we're all headed into a week where there'll be moments where we're gonna need somebody to have our back spiritually because we don't know what the week holds. So before we leave here, this Rossview Road location or online, I wanna challenge you to pray. I wanna challenge you to pray for the person on the left and the right of you. Our worship team's gonna lead us in a quick uh, song real fast. And you may be like, well, I don't pray out loud. That's okay, pray inside your mind. I don't care how you do it, just pray. If you're joining us online, type your prayer request in the chat. And then if you see that prayer request, pray for that person in the chat. Like, let's just take a moment to pray, like 30 seconds and pray for somebody next to you. Pray for somebody to the left or right. If somebody comes to your mind right now, have the boldness to pray for them right now. And I'll lead us. God, I thank you so much for this day. And I thank you for the boldness of Peter and John's friends. And I'm asking right now in this moment that you will be with us because God, we know that there's opposition. There's circumstances, there's things gonna happen coming up this week, but God, we're asking, Holy Spirit, give us the boldness to preach your gospel and be bold in the streets, at Walmart, at Publix, at our jobs, on Fort Campbell, wherever and whenever we are at, God, let us have your boldness in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, I wanna thank you this morning for joining us. If you're joining us online, I wanna thank you if you're in the room. We have a prayer team that's coming up. If you need prayer, have the boldness to come down here and have somebody pray with you. I love you, Life Point Church. Have a great Sunday. See you next Sunday.